I am reviewing The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the podcast series from Christianity to Today. This is their final episode. They will have some bonus episodes in the future, but I believe this will be the final one that I am going to review. I have 14 reviews now, and you can find all of these reviews in the show notes of this episode. This is our Life Over Coffee episode 381, and so if you go to episode 381, you can find all 14 of my reviews of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. In this episode review, number 14, The episode from Christianity Today speaks of the aftermath of Mark Driscoll's resignation from the church. And so the uh, Mark Driscoll resigned in 2014, and so Mike Hosper, the narrator of the podcast series from Christianity Today, he interviews an eclectic group of folks who talk about the heartbreak, the turmoil, the fear, as well as the practical matters of finding new churches, new jobs, new relationships, and so much more. This is a two-hour episode of multiple interviews that Mike Cosper uh, has with the various members of what was formerly Mars Hill Church in Seattle, uh, Washington. There were several campuses, of course, not just the one in Seattle where Mark Driscoll led. And then meanwhile, he talks about Mark popping back up in Arizona, as I imagine, I think all of you uh, know that. He rebranded and relaunched himself as though nothing happened. And so in this final review of the rise and fall of Mars Hill, this is uh, their episode here is titled The Aftermath. And so this one's called The Aftermath. What I want to do is I want to speak to five essential takeaways that I trust that all of us can learn from this uh, final uh, podcast from Christianity Today called The Aftermath. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I have been doing these reviews of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I appreciate the feedback from so many folks, and I'm thankful to be able to serve in this way. Uh, As I've stated throughout that my goal is not to do a Monday morning play-by-play critique of the actual episodes. I want to do a brief episode summary, but what I really want to focus on in these reviews is the application. Uh, What can we learn from this? How can we apply it to our personal lives? How can we humbly assess our local churches, the places where we attend, or our leaderships, those uh, leadership, those who lead our local churches? That is really my main focus because if we don't learn from this, then well, uh, we're really missing out on an on an opportunity because we want to grow and mature in Christ personally, and we also want to be a positive impact in our various local churches. And so I trust uh, that these five takeaways that I want to give you, that as I wrap up, that this will be beneficial for you. But first, let me give you just a brief episode summary. This episode, again titled The Aftermath, 
It is a post-mortem on Mars Hill Church. Uh, it's a reflective podcast as Mike Hosper talks to many of the members of the various campuses. And if you listen to the podcast, you will hear various voices talk about how they see things differently now that there is some distance between themselves and Mark Driscoll. Now, hindsight typically provides clarity. I mean, it should. And that is an essential thing that we should do after coming through a traumatic time. You don't want to just close the door on trauma, uh, whether it was family trauma in your upbringing, a marriage crisis that you had, or in this case, uh, the traumatic time of Mars Hill Church from 1996 to 2014. It was just a horrible time on so many fronts. Now, I am aware that, you know, God did some things. There were many lives that were transformed and so forth and so on. But the the overriding narrative throughout this podcast series is, is that it was just trauma uh, from beginning to end. And if you don't take the time to reflect back on it, well, then you can miss out on what God is doing in your life and, and the new way that he is relaunching you. It's kind of what Joseph was saying in Genesis fifty twenty: You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And if you only focus on the evil of what happened, then it can have a detrimental effect on your soul. And so you want to get to that place sometime in the future. And, and within the proper community, people who can actually help you so that you can think about what happened, so you don't repeat those mistakes, so you don't find yourself in those places again. You don't want to go from one toxic church like Mars Hill to another. You don't want to submit yourself to a bully like Mark Driscoll and then do it all over again. And so reflecting, doing a postmortem can be a very positive thing. It is impossible to see things clearly when you're in the middle of a difficult time. It just is. Time and space provide an opportunity to understand with biblical insight and personal transformation. It's so easy to become caught up in the hysteria, the numbers, the results, and even accept things that you would never agree to if time and space were different. And I talked a lot throughout this series about pragmatism. There was a lot of pragmatism, and, and so many people vulnerably affirmed that God was doing so many good things. And I do understand that. But the bully culture is manipulative. And when the bully has charisma and force, like Mark Driscoll does, then many people will fall prey as they did, and they talk about it in this episode, The Aftermath. The person who believes that they are not susceptible to manipulators or manipulative cultures has already opened themselves up to the possibility of being part of a cult because of their blindness to the potential. Once you say you're not susceptible, you have already moved closer to it. And this is a vital point. And toward the end of this podcast, Christianity Today episode, uh, someone was saying that very thing. And that's one of the reasons that you do want to talk about these things. We are not 
detached, or we should not be, detached spectators as though this was Mars Hill, this was Seattle. It will never be our church. It will never be here. It will never be our denomination. Once you start thinking like that, you've already moved closer to it. And so that is a brief episode summary. And it was good. It was good to hear uh, so many people talk about uh, their reflections of what happened and where they are today. Now, some of the people are doing much better. Some of them are stuck in bitterness. Some of them have walked away from the faith. All of them have been hurt. And you hear those those different stories from these people. Now, I, I can relate to them very well because I have been there, quite frankly, I was part of Sovereign Grace Ministries, which was a horrible church culture. It was an authoritative, heavy-handed, manipulative culture with a lot of abusive men at the helm of it, and and I was I was victimized by this in a horrific way. And so, as I listen to these stories, I can find myself at all of those places. I was hurt uh, in the beginning. I was very bitter in the beginning, and now I can talk about it in a way that I am detached from it, and there are many lessons that have been learned, and I don't carry that bitter spirit anymore, which I'm quite thankful for. But as you listen to these individuals within this particular church culture, they do resonate with me because I think I probably iterated most every one of them. And again, if you haven't been part of that, well, praise God for you, but I appeal to you, don't ever think that it can't happen to you. Now, I'm not suggesting that you live a cynical life or that you be suspicious about your leadership or suspicious about your church culture. No, I don't want you to do that, but I do want you to operate with discernment and and wisdom and that you ask God to give you the insight that you, you need so that you can see what is really happening and, and hear what is really being said and so you can respond appropriately to it. Now, I want to share with you five quick takeaways from this podcast, and I'll just share them in the order in which they were communicated uh, through the podcast from Christianity Today. And again, it was it was two hours. The first one, well, here's, the fi- here's my five takeaways. I want to talk about restoring, specifically restoring Mark Driscoll. I want to talk about reactions, a gentleman who went down to the Arizona church and confronted Mark Driscoll. I want to talk about the rise of social media uh, that happened in the first 10 years of of this century, which had a lot to do uh, with why we're in this mess in the church. I also want to talk about leadership impact, and then finally I will wrap up by talking about the need to talk about these types of things. And so number one is restoring, and Mike Cosper opened this episode talking about a pastor who platformed Mark Driscoll after Mark left Mars Hill. And this pastor said basically that we should not judge Mark, but we should seek to restore him, and then this pastor of this large church offered Galatians 6, 1 and 2 as his proof text to rewrite the Driscoll narrative into a pro-Mark worldview. You're familiar with Galatians 6, 1. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you to be tempted. 
And this was an awful thing for this pastor to do. It was an awful thing for this pastor to say. You see, there's two problems. There's at least two problems here with what the pastor was saying. One, this text in Galatians 6, 1, the implication is you can't restore a person who doesn't see his need for restoration. If you're going to restore a person, you have to have a, a willing a person that wants restoration. If you, if you want to do surgery on a patient, you need a patient. Uh, you need a patient who agrees that he is a patient, and that's not what you have here with Mark Driscoll. In fact, uh, they played a brief clip uh, when this pastor was platforming Mark, and Mark got up and he sounded like Mark Driscoll always sounds, but he took the role of a victim. You can't restore Mark Driscoll because he doesn't see the need for restoration, and also he's taking the role of a victim. So that's problem number one. And then problem number two, uh, platforming him or putting him back in ministry is a huge mistake. Mark Driscoll should not be preaching anywhere. He shouldn't be in Arizona. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't be preaching 10 years from now or 20 years from now. But the way this process is played out, there is no question in my mind that Mark Driscoll should not be on a stage, should not be writing books, should not be in the public arena podcasting or doing any uh, YouTube, doing any other thing as far as public ministry is concerned. And so this idea, point number one, I titled it Restoring. This is a huge mistake. This is, it's just a horrible mistake that this pastor made. One, using Galatians 6, 1 as a proof text to restore Mark when Mark is not looking for restoration. Mark is playing the victim card. Number two, it begs the question, uh, should he be platformed at all? And I answer that question personally, I think biblically as well, Absolutely not. Mark should not be in public ministry right now. There is too much junk that has not been resolved in his life. And so shame on the, I'm not mentioning the pastor or the church that platformed Mark and, and proof texted Galatians 6.1. If you want to know the name of this pastor in church, you can listen to the Christianity Today podcast. But shame on that pastor and shame on that church for uh, giving Mark Driscoll a place to play the victim card and when what Mark needs to do more than anything else is to repent of the many sins and, the, and, and reconcile with the many souls that he has damaged while he was leading Mars Hill Church, which leads to the second point. Mike Cosper told the story about a young man who visited Driscoll's new church in Arizona uh, this young man had a dad that Mark Driscoll hurt, and so this uh, they were having an anniversary service at the church in Arizona, and this young man, he was very winsome, by the way, in the interview, and he said he, he read the, the flyer maybe on the internet. It says, all are welcome, basically, and so he took that as his cue uh, to go to Arizona and go to uh, Mark's new church where he has rebranded and relaunched himself, and he confronted Mark 
after the service in the lobby. He was appealing uh, to Mark Driscoll to make things right with the young man's dad. And of course, that did not happen as the young man had hoped. And the conversation eventually just sort of petered it out. It, it just came to an end and, and they separated. But the thing that was really highlighted in my mind about this young man's confrontation of Mark Driscoll is that his attitude was so striking to me. He talked about the problems with Mark Driscoll, what Mark did to his dad, and a few other Mars Hill pain points. But he did not come across as bitter or angry. Uh, he came across as a person who has really worked through some things. And that is the goal for all of us. I remember as I was coming through uh, the Sovereign Grace debacle shortly after I left the church, it took me a solid two years to get into a place of, of recovery because I was so bitter and angry. And so when I make this point about this young man's winsome, wonderful attitude as he talked about uh, in the past what happened to him and what happened to his dad. I don't say this to shame those who are still recovering for what happened to them, because I understand that you can't just jumpstart your life and say that you are over a traumatic event. It takes time. And for some people, and depending on what happened to them, it can take longer for them to get through something than other people. And so as I highlight this young man's winsomeness and charisma and the way that he communicated the debacle of Mars Hill and the, the difficulty between Mark Driscoll and his dad, I don't do that to shame other people because I was very much in that boat myself. And though other people could recover quickly, it took me a long time to recover from church abuse and a bully pastor. But here's my point. It is crucial. It is crucial that we talk about the bad things from our past and that we assess ourselves with how we talk about those things, uh, how we think about God, how we think about our abusers, because at some point we have to get over it in a God-centered way. I mean, in some sense, you never want to get over it because you always want to remember, but you don't want to be captivated by it as though a stronghold has now taken your mind captive and you become a bitter, cynical soul. That's what I mean by get over it. We have to get over our bitterness, our anger, our cynicism. No, we don't want to ever forget what happened. We want to see that as an instrumentation of God's grace eventually, as I typically tell people when I speak publicly. If I'm at a new church, as I was just a couple of weeks ago, I, I typically say that I have been the recipient of two great gifts from the Lord, the gift of suffering and the gift of salvation, as Paul talked about in Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but to suffer 
for his sake. And so suffering is a gift from the Lord, but to get to that place to where you see it from a God-centered perspective is hard. And so I don't want to throw shame on any person that is struggling, but I, I, I was... I was pleasantly encouraged by how this young man talked about all the nonsense that went on with Mark Driscoll, his dad, and Mars Hill Church. And so point number one in my five takeaways from this episode, one, restoring uh, that abysmal soundbite that they played of the pastor who uh, platform Mark Driscoll and and Mark Driscoll playing the victim card. Number two, the reaction of this young man that he has processed a lot, and that is really the goal for all of us who have gone through a traumatic time. Number three, I want to talk about social media because social media has a lot to do with what is going on in the church today. The first decade of this century saw the rise of social media and those who took advantage of this media for good and also for evil. Mars Hill, Sovereign Grace Ministries, the Gospel Coalition, Together for the Gospel, the Celebrity Preacher, All of these things grabbed the hearts and minds of the church. I'm not saying that all of that was bad. I'm just saying that here's a short list of institutions or organizations or celebrity preachers who grabbed the hearts and minds of the church. In many ways, the first decade of this century was wild and a messy time, but we were not victims to the media, we chose to access, and we continue to choose to access social media, and it promotes good and bad people and good and bad ministries. And as I think about the rise and fall of Mars Hill in this final episode, I think about social media. It had something to do with it. And because of that, each of us, you and me, we need to self-assess and to discern our view of the local church versus our view of these ministries and these celebrity preachers. Is our view of the local church stronger or weaker today? Are you more in love with your leadership or more in love with these other ministries that are out there, including this ministry? As I say so many times that from our ministry, we're not trying to build a, a kingdom. We're, we're tr- In our ministry, all roads lead to the local church. We have a high view of the local church. We want to supplement what God is doing in your local church. We don't want to become the thing, but we want to be a supplemental ministry that really focuses on your local church. But too many Christians find their diet outside their local church. As I've said many times, I don't listen to celebrity pastors. If you look at my podcast, Diet, there's not a preacher on it because I have a pastor. I have multiple pastors, and we get a sermon every week, and it takes me all week to process that sermon, and I want to process it. I want it to go from short-term to long-term memory. Sometimes I'll do a podcast on it. Sometimes I'll write an article on it because I am processing it. But social media 
it in some ways has driven a wedge between us and our local churches and the leadership that we're called to support. And and Mark Driscoll took advantage of social media, and uh, many of us have fallen prey to that, and I trust you would give that some thought. Number four, leadership impact. One of the interviewees talked about Mark Driscoll's effect on other Christians, particularly the men of the church. Mark Driscoll had this macho, this hyper macho centrism, authoritative, heavy handedness. I believe in hierarchy. I I believe uh, that men should be leading their wives, husbands should be leading their wives, and men should be uh, leading their families. Or as I've said recently in a, a podcast that God should be leading the families and men should be following God. But Mark took all of that and just twisted it and you don't have to think too long to discern Mark Driscoll's personality and his brazenness and his winsomeness and his crude language and his bully teaching style. And he impacted the men of the church. You can't disassociate yourself from the leaders of your church as though they do not affect you. Mark Driscoll's a toxic person, and toxicity will create or will beget toxicity. A leader is a shaping influence. It cannot be any other way. We become some version of our leaders, those people that we reflect, uh, that we respect, those people that we take our cues from. Dads impact children. Pastors impact church people. We become some version of our leaders, taking on their views, their personalities, their tones, their preferences. The herd mentality is a good thing. God made us for community. It's a good thing when the herd leader is humble and other-centered. We want to have a herd mentality. But if the herd leader is a narcissist like Mark Driscoll, well, then you're going to take on that personality as well. You will either become part of a Christocentric community or you will become part of a cult. And some of these people had to come to terms. They could not believe it. They were becoming part of a cult. That was, that was one of the things that I had the hardest time discerning when I was part of Sovereign Grace Ministries because we saw it as a Christ. Christ-like or Christocentric community. Other people from the outside, they said it was a cult. But then when I began to distance myself from it and saw the manipulation and the authoritative leadership, then I recognized it is more cultic than Christocentric. And so point number four is that leaders do have an impact. And this is something that all of us need to assess. How are the authority figures in our lives impacting us for good or evil? Can we honestly discern that? And then maybe we need to uh, have others to give us input of what they see, uh, the leaders, how they are impacting our lives. And then number five, and this is how the podcast ended is to talk about these things. And I've already mentioned that at the beginning of this podcast, that you want to distance yourself uh, from these things and then begin to process it because it's 
impossible to objectively assess what is going on in real time when it's happening to you. One of the keys to working through a traumatic season is to talk about it with folks who can help you. The point of counseling is for broken people to have someone to speak with, to work through what happened to them. Of course, there are concerns about how we talk about it, when we talk about it, where we talk about it, why we talk about it. I've shared my cautions about this Christianity Today series. I see the pros of it, and I've said that I I recommend it cautiously uh, for people to watch but or listen to, uh, but then also have my reservations as well, this format, because as I said in the video that I did of why I don't recommend it or recommend it cautiously is that it has a triggering effect. And several people, by the way, in this podcast, this last episode called Aftermath, they said as they've gone through the Christianity Today podcast series, that it had that triggering effect, and that was one of my cautions because people continue to struggle. But if you don't have someone to talk with about what happened to you and work through it, you could be in a precarious position to where you become bitter, maybe even walk away from Christ. We've had someone come to our community forums recently who said that they part of why they have walked away from Christianity is because of what happened to them at Mars Hill. There was also some folks on this episode who talked about walking away from Christianity as well. We have to have people that we can talk to, to talk through what happened to us so that we do not become bitter, walk away from Christ, so we don't adversely affect others, so we don't sabotage gospel initiatives. Victimization is a debilitating soul phenomenon. If you're coming out of an abusive context or if you're coming out of an abusive relationship, I appeal to you to find competent help. Find that biblical help so that you can talk. I have been reviewing the rise and fall of Mars Hill, giving responses to it, not in a play-by-play fashion, but from an application perspective. What can we learn from the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church in Seattle, Washington? How can we apply it to ourselves personally? How can we humbly self-assess or how can we humbly assess our churches and our leaderships so that we don't fall into those traps? If you would like to talk about any of this uh, from these series, the 14 reviews that I've done, uh, please come to our ministries forums. We would love to do that. It is a civil place and we would talk to you. Uh, You can ask your questions there. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.